Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities with Public Schools Unite Us initiative and United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. Hi, I'm David Gustina. Joining us this week to talk about a very difficult and complex issue, which has had a ripple effect throughout the world, and in particular to New York. I'm talking about the attack on Israel by Hamas and the resulting brutality inflicted on unarmed Israelis. Now there's a potential humanitarian crisis in Gaza, where hundreds of thousands of people are there with little food, water, power, or connection to the outside world. But with us today is Hank Greenberg. He's a former board member and member of the Jewish Federation of Northeastern New York. He is also a spokesperson. He's the former president of the New York State Bar Association, a partner in the law firm Greenberg Traurig. Greenberg is the former counsel to then New York State Attorney General Andrew Cuomo, general counsel for the New York State Department of Health and a federal prosecutor. He's been on this program in that capacity many times. Among other government posts, he also served as a law clerk to then associate judge, later Chief Judge Judith Kay of the New York Court of Appeals. But Hank Greenberg joins us today as a member and a past board member of the Jewish Federation of Northeastern New York. You can find out more at www.jewishfedny.org. Mr. Greenberg spoke this week at a rally and vigil in support of Israel alongside Governor Kathy Hochul and Congressman Paul Tonko at Congregation Beth Emeth in the Capital Region. And we welcome you to the Capital Connection. During this unfortunate time, Hank Greenberg. David, I'm grateful that you've given me this time to be with you. It was striking, we were talking before the program began, about not only what's occurred, obviously, from your historical perspective as a Jew, but also what then the response was at this rally. Why don't you start with your initial impressions of what's happened here, and then talk to us a little bit about the support that has come together now around the attack from Hamas on Israel, and of course, particularly here in New York State. The place to begin is uh, Saturday morning in Israel uh, at 6.30 a.m., October 7, 2023. Uh, For Israel, for the Jewish people, uh, that was their September 11, their Pearl Harbor. Uh, Because starting at that time on that morning, Israel was um, the victim of a premeditated, unprovoked attack. Um, a surprise attack that resulted in loss of life uh, and casualties unlike anything the Jewish people have experienced since the Holocaust. 700 uh, Israelis died on Saturday. Now keep in mind we're talking about a nation that's the size of New Jersey with a population of a little more than 9 million people. So when I tell you that 700 people died and 2,500 others were injured, that means that every person living in Israel has been affected in some way or other. They know someone, 
that lost their life. They knew someone who was taken hostage. Uh, so for the Israeli people, as I said, that's the greatest loss of life at a single moment since the Holocaust. And the reaction for American Jewry as they woke up Saturday morning was shock, despair, and a steely determination to see that justice is done um, and that peace uh, is returned to Israel uh, in that part of the world. At the rally you mentioned, what I likened it to uh, for us was, uh, for American Jewry, this was a the worst deja vu experience of our life. Why do I say that? Because October 7, 2023, was almost exactly 50 years to the day when the Yom Kippur War was launched in Israel. That was when Egypt and Syria, surprise attack against Israel that posed an existential threat to its existence. And... That date was chosen by Israel's enemies 50 years earlier because Yom Kippur is the holiest day in the Jewish faith. This attack was launched on, not by not an accident, on the Jewish Sabbath, Saturday, in Israel, and also a religious holiday. So for many of us, I remember I was 11 years old when I was sitting in a synagogue um, 50 years earlier and watching the elders in synagogue, and Yom Kippur is a time when Jews do not watch TV, do not listen to radio, and they fast for the day and spend much of the day, and I, I grew up in an Orthodox synagogue, almost the whole day in synagogue, right? So I remember as an 11-year-old looking around the temple, seeing the elders whispering, sharing rumors about some kind of attack in Israel. And I remember when my family went home before we broke the fast, we turned on the television to see, was this true? And we discovered it. It was true. And as I'm waking up 50 years later, almost exactly to the day, I had that memory. And I, probably like you, David, probably like all of the world, you know, turned on television, saw the images, and began to learn that this attack was even more ghastly, even more barbaric than the Yom Kippur attack. And the reason why is the Yom Kippur attack was Egypt um, um, and uh, Syria attacking military targets. The goal of Hamas in this case wasn't hitting military targets. It was killing as many innocent civilians, men, women, children, even babies, as many as they could as rapidly as they could. In public view, as you pointed out to me before the program, unlike in the Holocaust, where they tried to at least hide what they were doing. Incredibly, in real time, these barbarities were being displayed, placed online, on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, all across the world by the Hamas terrorists that were perpetrating these inhumanities. So, for example, 4,000 teenagers and young adults, when the war began, were dancing at an outdoor festival. And the terrorists surrounded the 4,000 people and then opened fire and cut these young people's lives, extinguished their lives, slaughtered them, and played it to the world. So... You know, the reaction, I think, 
by the way, this wasn't the reaction just of American and world Jewry. This was the reaction of all civilized humans. What are we watching? Including in Germany. Unbelievably, I'm so glad you 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 mentioned that. You know, one of the heartening things is we grieve over what 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 has happened is that in my lifetime I have never never seen the response either from an American president or the leaders of the free world supporting Israel like this. You mentioned Germany, the Brandenburg Gates in Germany that night projected the Israeli flag on it. Uh, Prime Minister Macron in France said he stands with Israel and of course President Biden and uh, Secretary of State Blinken have said Israel has a right to defend itself, the president's words, period, full stop, and said it again just yesterday. And I think what that reflects, among others, is the free world sort of reacting to this terrifying image of what an anarchical um, um, world of barbarity, medieval, Right. This was an attack last Saturday. This was a massacre. For Jews, we know what this is. This is a pogrom, as in the Russian Empire, right? And we know well, right, 4,000 years of Jewish history, um, um, you know, from the pharaohs to the pogroms of the Russian Empire to the Holocaust, you know, never again for us. You've heard that phrase. That's not a mere slogan. That is a mantra born of a millennia, two millennia, of suffering. So this was very fresh and painful, to say the least. It doesn't get any more barbaric in my mind than taking innocents like babies and removing their heads. Yeah. We've obviously seen nothing like it before. Videoing, going into people's homes, pulling out their children, videos of unconscious, uh, profusely bleeding women being held up as trophies. That level of inhumanity it's unbearable, David. It's unbearable. We're speaking with Hank Greenberg. He is a spokesperson for the Jewish Federation of Northeastern New York, an attorney and someone who is here with us to sort it all out. And just in case you're not aware, New York City is home to the largest Jewish population in the world. That's according to the mayor's office, and nearly half of the city's Jews live in Brooklyn. This particularly affects New York City, but New York State as well. And I just after what you've said so eloquently, Hank, I turn toward this famous quote, which is, the only way for evil to triumph over good is for good people to do nothing. Yes. So you just mentioned some of the good people now that are gathering around. I want you to go back to that rally for a minute, because I want people to hear this. This is upstate. This is the capital region where this is happening. And you show up and there is a line like a Broadway show. And the idea here, I believe, is that we're all, not just Jews, all human beings are impacted by an act like this. It was an extraordinary experience. I think everyone that was there will never forget it. Sadly, I've done, participated, and spoken at many rallies like this before when some atrocity has occurred in Israel. And I didn't know what to expect, right? So the war starts on Saturday. The rally is Monday evening. And mostly it's through word of mouth that people even know that the rally is being held. So I drive into the parking lot at 6.40. The rally is going to begin at 7. And I'm stunned that I can't find a space. And it's 20 minutes before the rally begins. And then as I walk in, there's a line, as you said, snaking around the block. 
right? The kind of line you would see, I don't know. You know, Bruce Springsteen. Right, exactly, exactly. And then I walk in, and God bless the governor, she came, Congressman Tonko came, Mayor came, Assemblyman McDonald came, Assemblywoman Fahey came, many electeds came, and I thank them profusely for doing this because, you know, it's um, bearing witness is a moral obligation, right? It's more than just seeing, right? It's an obligation to listen and hear and feel the pain of others, and they did that. And, you know, we weren't counting the number of people there, but it was a very large room, and I I think the best estimate I've heard is 1,200 people packed into the room. This was an interfaith rally, really, wasn't it? Absolutely. Catholics, Jews, Protestants, Muscles. Uh, People were coming together to support, I guess the great word here would be tikkun olam. (laughs) Yes, thank you. You know, unity. Thank you. Yes, heal the world, righteousness. And, you know, I think from start to finish, it was about an hour and three quarters, maybe two hours. Congressman Tonko and the governor just spoke beautifully and extemporaneously and from the heart. And Dr. Stephen Burke, who is really the national expert on Holocaust studies, uh, he and I have spoken at many of these rallies, and I spoke as well. But the most extraordinary part for me of the whole ceremony is when you get to the very end, right? Because, now keep it, 1,200 people in the room, right? And it closed with people singing a prayer known as Mishaberech, right, which is to heal those who are suffering, and another prayer known as Kaddish, which is the prayer to mourn the dead, and then finally singing Haktikva. So I'm sitting in the front row, right, and many rows going all the way to the back. It was unbelievable. I, I, I wouldn't say it was the sound, the decibel level was deafening, but it was like a wave of emotion. And I'm sitting with Congressman Tonko and the other electeds, right? And, you know, these are politicians. They've seen a lot. Everyone's in tears. Mm-hmm. So in that way, we achieved beyond our wildest dreams holding the rally because the purpose of it was to give people an opportunity to grieve, to be together as a community, Jewish community, an interfaith community, right? To hold one another, to love one another, and to feel that we could go forward after something like this and hopefully achieve a better world and, you know, mission accomplished. So let's go forward, Hank. What can people do? Jews and non-Jews, right now, what do you need to help those who are suffering in Israel? Well, here's what we can't do, because we can't do it, right? We can't put on the uniform of the IDF. We can't go into battle. You can't get out of Israel, let alone into Israel, because everything's shut down. So there's only two things people who care deeply about this do. One is to be emissaries for civilization, and in this instance, like the leaders of the free world and the president, for Israel's right to defend its sovereignty. And it's important to understand this. That's what happened here. Hamas made incursions into Israel as deeply as five miles. In village after village after village in Israel proper, they launched firefights. So step one for Israel was repelling them back to the Gaza Strip. But being emissaries for the need to allow Israel to defend itself, that's number one. And that's, you know, dealing with their elected officials and others, letting them know how they feel. So that's one thing they can do. The most impactful thing is money and digging as deeply as one can in their pockets and providing assistance. Now, let me let me explain what kind of assistance, right? You know, the United States government and others are dealing with sort of military assistance and things like that. So that's not what we're talking about. The amount 
of aid that will be needed for the victims of this barbarity in terms of psychosocial assistance, psychological and medical care and assistance, housing, rehousing people, trauma relief, um, is just extraordinary, right? So when you think, okay, 700 people die, okay, now think of their families, right? You're talking about a whole nation that's experiencing, or if not now, soon will, post-traumatic stress disorder. And some of those folks can be right here in the U.S., right? Family members and others are right here suffering. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because um, just yesterday we learned um, um, confirmation that uh, um, the first uh, family living in the capital region, a Jewish educator, lost her brother was taken hostage and killed. And I will tell you, for even American Jews in the capital region, David, we all know somebody. There are members of our community in the capital region that are in Israel. So one of the things that Jewish Federation for Northeastern New York is doing is working with Governor Hochul, extracting them, right, because Ben-Gurion Airport is closed, getting them out. So every person, not just in Israel, every Jew living in the capital region either knows someone or knows someone who has lost someone, who knows someone who was injured, knows someone who was taken hostage. So being as generous as we can, you know, I said to, and, and, you know, this is something very personal for the Jewish people, right? I mentioned at the rally for me, right? So I'm 62 years old, and my grandparents who came, fled Eastern Europe because of the pogroms, their moment was 1948 for them. And 1948 was the Israeli War of Independence. And by the way, in Albany, the Jewish community back then in Albany, many Jews in 1948 participated in gun running, going to Canada, trying to find, right? And that was the fight for independence and the establishment of the Jewish state. My parents, their moment was the Six-Day War in 1967 and the Yom Kippur War in 1973, and they gave and they gave and they gave and they gave. Well, for American Jewry today, this is their moment. This isn't an isolated terrorist attack for which, you know, this is systemic, this is coordinated, this is on a single day, 5,000 rockets launched to Israel, including major population centers like Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. I mentioned a nation that's the size of New Jersey. So Hamas in the south, Hezbollah in the north, every portion of Israel is within reach of a missile. There is nowhere to hide when they're at war, which is what they are. So this is, I think, a moment for people who care about civilization. And do we want the rule of law to devolve into the law of tooth and claw? I think the answer is, of course we don't. And the other thing you're seeing in in some quarters, people who are sympathetic to the plight of Palestinians, and I understand that and I respect that, but a recognition that there are these things called the Geneva Convention and the laws of war. And here's what they mean. You don't cut off the heads of babies. You don't take families hostage. You don't have hostages. So I think what you're seeing is this realization that's actually sweeping all people, right? You know, the old playbook ways of thinking about things are being put aside and they're looking at the images and having this, for many people, sort of this epiphany. No, no, this is something very different, very evil, and it cannot stand. We're speaking with Hank Greenberg, spokesperson for the Jewish Federation of Northeastern New York. And what did he just say? He just said two things, pressure, Pressure your public officials 
and also whatever you can give and support is going to go a long way to helping the aftermath of this horrific situation. I want to move even more into New York because we have another problem, anti-Semitism in general. Just note this from the ADL, that's the Anti-Defamation League. New York maintained its lead in total reported anti-Semitic incidents across the United States. This is in 2021. The 416 incidents documented by the ADL represented a 24% increase. Now, no matter where you go, even though you made a nice disquisition about how wonderful it is to be a Jew in New York, it's right here in New York. In fact, as we're speaking today, there's a high school in the capital region where a, a young person took a Jewish flag, pulled it away from another student, and flushed it down the toilet. We've got real problems with anti-Semitism and racism, our original sin, as you, you mentioned to me before coming on the program. Isn't that something else people need to be cognizant of and be willing to speak out against when they witness it? My goodness, yes. This is a new and terrifying new normal. And... You know, my perspective, and I mentioned this before we went on the air, you know, my grandparents who fled from Eastern Europe, they were hypersensitive to anti-Semitism and saw it in places that I, growing up, didn't see, right? Because my frame of reference was, I'm growing up in New York State. And I mentioned before, in 1938, in the middle of the Holocaust, during that period, New York had a Jewish governor and a New York chief judge in 1938 during the Holocaust. Right, So this is New York and always felt extraordinarily safe and secure. They also had Nazi party rallies in New York. Yes, they did. Right, And everyone should see the documentary, 20,000 People in the Garden. I'm glad you mentioned that. But this is something different. I mean, anti-Semitism isn't different. It's part of the history of the world. It is a virus that has never been eradicated. And it, 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 it arises again and again and again. You know, the Passover Haggadah, during Passover, we read from this ancient book, and there's a line in it, in every generation, our enemies will rise and try to destroy us. By the way, that's what happened last Saturday. But back to New York... This is something new and different and alarming. Even downstate in New York City, not that long ago, you know, there were, especially in Brooklyn, vicious anti-Semitic attacks. There are a lot of reasons, a lot of causes for it, but here's what you've done, by the way, by just raising that question. There's something different, importantly, about how we address it. Generationally, uh, from the Jewish community perspective, when something awful would happen and things would happen, you know, synagogues even in the capital region would be desecrated, right? With swastikas spray painted on the walls, mm -hmm. the idea was get law enforcement involved, but don't talk about it because that'll just stir up more. You know, that might have been a good strategy 20 years ago, 15 years ago, not now. Hate is something that needs to be met head on recognizing it. And, uh, you know, at the rally, Governor Hochul spoke about it. Congressman Tonko spoke about it. So I think there's a, a growing appreciation from policymakers. And maybe just to that point that because of what Hamas did. Yes. And we got to see it. Yes. It had that impact. Right. You see what, by the way, racism is a variant of it, right? You see what it does to the human brain, if you will. And it would take a psychologist or a psychiatrist to say how it would take basic humanity, extinguish it, and turn it into something that is horror and unspeakable evil. And no, you're exactly right. We know where it leads, and it leads to death and bloodshed. And we're seeing it in New York, and it's on the rise, and not just in New York, across the nation. I mean, New York is, it is special, it is beautiful. New York State is this magnificent mosaic, more languages are spoken, more faiths are practiced, 
right? More ethnic groups are in New York State. The diversity of New York is our strength, right? E pluribus unum, that's supposed to be our national guiding principle. Well, in New York State, it is our living reality. But this is something different and frightening and scary, and talking about it as you are doing is really important. Do you see a day when we will have a Jewish president? Oh, absolutely. My father, of blessed memory, I remember being with him the day when Al Gore announced that Joe Lieberman was going to be the vice president nominee of the Democratic Party. And of course, we know the election of 2000 came, what was it, 600 votes away? From having a right and Chad's (laughs) right and Kamala Harris's husband is Jewish so I no absolutely one day you know and one day very very soon we're going to have a woman president no I you know one thing about America that is still beautiful that is still extraordinary is that at the end of the day the pathways to success the American dream still exists I we can talk about the challenges that we face, and in many ways, the mountain is higher to climb today. But absolutely, one day we'll see a Jewish president. I do want to end this program this week by just saying this. Lives are being lost in this conflict, Palestinian lives and Jewish lives, of course. And I don't think any of us in this room right now, Hank or I, want to see any of that happen. We didn't get into a larger discussion of the politics because we wanted to focus on the incidents at hand and relate it to New York. But no one should have to die in a war. And I think most people believe that. Yes, there is a real world. There are real circumstances and things happen. But I hope this discussion today, you'll understand, is about how we can come together and make sure that we speak out against heinous acts of any kind that happen anywhere in our communities. Absolutely. And I've had many opportunities in my professional life to speak out against different forms of hatred. It just so happens right now in this moment in our history, we're talking about what's happening in Israel today. But war is always ghastly and terrible, and yet it's been an ever-present reality of world history forever. And what you're seeing happening in Israel is not a war against the Palestinian people. This is a war against a terrorist, quasi-governmental entity that has done grave harm and inflicted grave hardships on the Palestinian people. So we all want we all want peace desperately. We want this to end as rapidly as possible. And I'm glad you made that point, David. It's a very important one. We've been speaking with Hank Greenberg. He is a spokesperson for the Jewish Federation of Northeastern New York, and that is www.jewishfedny.org. Of course, a former president of the New York State Bar Association, an attorney with Greenberg Traurig. Hank, thank you for being on the Capital Connection this week. It's been my privilege. Thank you. The Capital Connection is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. You can listen to The Capital Connection anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. And join us again next week at this same time for another political conversation. For The Capital Connection, I'm David Gustina. Support for The Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative.